Welcome to the What About series, where we talk about therapy topics in a highly condensed and easy digested way. Our goal is to help the average person understand some of the more complex or misunderstood aspects of the mental health world. Let's get right into it. Alrighty, so in this episode, we're going to be talking about something that isn't really talked about a lot, if at all. Yeah, I never heard of it before we prepared this episode. Yeah, me either. And so what it is, I mean, as you're going to, you already, you already know what we're talking about. It's in the, it's in the episode, title. episode yeah. title. So it's atypical anorexia nervosa. And to simply summarize it for you, the symptoms for atypical anorexia are all exactly the same except the dramatic weight loss. So someone with atypical anorexia isn't super skinny because you all know, you know, what it looks like. Someone with anorexia, yeah, what it looks like. It's they're really, really skinny. You can see, you know, their bones are really defined and kind of sunken cheeks and like yeah. they just look typically pretty unhealthy, like really pale skin. There's a lot of health complications that come with like typical anorexia. So I'm sure we all kind of know what it looks like. I, I definitely know I do. It's It's kind of a... It's kind of a haunting sight, like someone who's really deep into like weight loss from anorexia. Yeah, it's, it's kind of it's kind of sad to really see really the, sad, yeah, the full effects of what it can can be on a person, like like physically. Yeah, and you can always go Google it if yeah, you have never seen exactly. those pictures, but they they can be hard to look at for some people. Yeah, and so just graphic content be weary there. Yeah, so let's just jump right into some symptoms. Remember with this series here every episode is going to be the same as far as the uh outline goes the flow goes and so it's just summary symptoms risk factors diagnosis and treatment so that's what we're going over today so the first symptom that um one of the symptoms that we see with um atypical anorexia is a fear of gaining weight or getting fat and so just like anorexia that's one of the first that's the one of the biggest symptoms is that like a pathological fear of gaining weight, being fat, being overweight, obese, whatever it is. So that's, that's the most common thing that I think of, at least when I think of anorexia and it's, it's the same with atypical anorexia. Yeah. Or another really common symptom is disturbance in body image. So they can't look at themselves without feeling disgusted or feeling like they aren't enough or feeling, you know, like they need to gain weight or they need to lose weight, you know, because they're, like they're too fat. They see yeah. themselves as too fat or yeah. overweight. Yeah. And some people might know that as body dysmorphia, that yep. you look in the mirror and see something yep. that's not true. Um, it's very, very common amongst uh, those with atypical anorexia and anorexia, just regular anorexia as well. Uh, the next one is restrictive energy intake. So the things that you put in to your body, you're very restrictive. The food that you eat is very, very they're limited, sometimes not at all. Very selective. Very selective as well, eating yeah. things that are perceived as extremely healthy, um, very low calories. It is very authoritarian with the way that you treat your diet. Yeah, and the important thing to note here is that the key word here is excessively. Yeah. Because you can, like one of these is, the next one here is excessive calorie counting. Now, back in my, I used to do competitive Olympic weightlifting, and we had to meet a weigh-in quota, you know, to 
lift in that weight class. And so I would literally starve myself for like two days if I was overweight. And I don't recommend that. Never do that. Not fun. Yeah. I not remember, healthy. <laughs> exactly. Not healthy. I remember looking up at my ceiling, laying on the ground one night, the night before weigh-ins, and the ceiling was like spinning. Oh, gosh. I haven't drinking water in a day and a half. Oh, I haven't goodness. eaten food. It was the worst thing ever. But, I mean, that... Good point, yeah. If you do that a lot, then you'll probably end up with anorexia because you don't eat. Yeah. But with atypical anorexia, you can struggle with excessive calorie counting, so obsessing over how many calories you're eating. However, you're not restricting yourself so much that you're losing a significant amount of weight. And now when we say losing weight, this is below what your average weight is for your height, gender, and... Basically your BMI, like, yeah. Yeah, like being... Yep considered extremely underweight yep. like everyone yeah everyone has just a basic line body weight of where your body wants to be yeah and so when we say you know significantly underweight it's under your weight yeah it's all relative and it's the right. same with the calorie counting like for me an ex excessive calorie counting i'd probably be in like the 1200 calorie range that'd be pretty excessive for me i'm a pretty big dude anyone who knows yeah. me I'm, I'm almost six one i weigh like 225 pounds i'm a big dude require yeah. a lot of energy and so an excessive amount of calorie restriction for me would probably be in like the 1200 range. But for a really small adult woman, that would be like a, or me. a good, yeah, <laughs> yeah, or like, um, like, like a smaller person, I guess that's like a good dieting range. Like if yeah. you're trying to just healthily lose yep. weight, that's a good range. So it's all relative. There's, it's not just like the American standard of 2000 calories a day. It's, it's excessive for your specific situation. And it's the same with, um, the next symptom is excessively cutting out different foods, um, and just being, because everyone is different with the foods they like cut out and stuff like that. And everyone's different with everything we talk about in the What About series. It's going to be very unique, yes. but it just goes down to the excessiveness of it and the longevity of it, how, how long you're doing it and how obsessive and excessive it is. So if you're excessively cutting out different foods, especially the the ones that are perceived to be unhealthy, if you're like treating them in almost like a fear-based phobia right. way yep. and just avoiding it like a sickness or like an abusive relationship. Yeah. Um, that's where the, the issues start to arise, the yeah. symptoms of anorexia, a atypical anorexia. Yeah. Because when something is excessively done, especially like excessively counting calories or watching your food, it gets to a point where it's going to create a ton of anxiety and create stress when, you know, you are tempted to eat a, eat a, eat some bread, you mm -hmm. know, or somewhere that has a high calorie count and you don't want to eat that. Yeah. Something that should just be seen as a normal event is going to cause a huge stress response. Yeah. 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 And so one of the, the last thing here is a symptom is not going to social events that have food like within the event. Like Austin said, it's like being in an emotional or like abusive relationship. Like you don't want to be around that person. In this case, it's food. You don't want to be around that food because you could be tempted and feel that can create a bunch of anxiety and a bunch of stress. Just like if you were abused by someone and you see them, that creates anxiety and creates stress. It can be really triggering for you. Yeah. And dealing with all these symptoms, it can bring on, it can be comorbid or otherwise it can be, it can go along with or it can bring other symptoms yeah. Such as depression, anxiety. Because, I mean, you know, think about if you avoid every party you are invited to and they all have food and you don't go, then that could cause some depression. Yeah. Or every time you're going out to eat with a family member or every time you're with another person 
and you're eating with them, that's going to cause anxiety. And just overall, um, depression can cause eating disorders and eating disorders can cause depression. And it's the same with yep. anxiety. Um, they can, they can be the cause and the symptom of these issues. And that's another really common thing that we'll see through the what about series is that symptoms are causes and causes are symptoms. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's, it's, it's all a negative big loop. feedback loop. Yeah. They're all negative feedback loops and yep. we'll probably say that every episode, but that's how it's kind of weird. That's how all mental disorders are. They're all just big loops. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all the symptoms. Uh, suicidal thoughts is the most dramatic of all of them, I would say. Um, and suicide ideations and attempts being the most unfortunate ones. I'm being so obsessed with the way that you look and not having that ideal body being so depressed of not having what you want to, what you want to have over your self image leads to the unfortunate, um, outcomes of, of dying by suicide and suicide, um, ideations. And so that's kind of, that's the broad, I guess that's the, the broader aspect of it, the, the more intense aspect of it, I should say, but it is an unfortunate outcome for a lot of people that struggle with this. And it can be very hidden because of, without that excessive weight loss that we're talking about. Right, yeah, it's not as a parent. Yeah, it can be so hidden. And so part of this is kind of like a, an awareness episode that yeah. um, this could be happening underneath the surface for somebody and you won't be able to tell because of how easy it is to hide. So those are some of the symptoms to look out for, for maybe in yourself, other loved ones. Now, some of the risk factors that can cause it that could put you more at risk. The first one is genetics. You could just be predisposed from family history of eating disorders and mental health disorders. If it's in your family, obviously you're more likely to get it like most other uh, mental health disorders. And it applies to this one as well, that if a parent has it, you're more likely to develop it yourself. And that can come from, again, genetics or even modeling. Yeah. As you grow up, your parents, if they did s stuff like this, then that can it's also play a factor. Yeah. Yeah. The next one is gender. So women are more likely to experience anorexia and atypical anorexia. Mm -hmm. But it still happens in men as well. I think that kind of gets lost in the sauce sometimes yeah. where like, oh, you know, the only people I know that struggle with this are women. Like, okay, that that's true. Sure, for you. Yeah. But men can still struggle with this and a lot of men do. It's probably like, because um, men probably reported a lot less as well. I know yeah. I would never talk about it yep. if I had that issue. Um, so it's probably underreported, but it's obvious that we have a, that happens a lot more in women anyways. Um, but I think part of the reason is why, because men just don't talk about it as much because of the stigma behind it. And with women as well, there's a stigma about talking about it, but it does, you are predisposed as a woman to more likely do to develop it. But yep. And because we're also, these next risk factors are going to also play into the gender, gender yeah. as well. Yeah. So the next one is, uh, it's social attitudes and culture. If you live in a culture, a state, a country, a city, um, a family even, that incentivizes being skinny or smaller, that's obviously going to put you at risk. That's I'm sure that's one of the first things. That's one of the first things that I thought of as we put together this episode talking about risk factors is that if you live in a country, especially in the United, United States, we have a huge culture yeah. behind being fit. Like you open up Instagram and then we're going to talk about that. So I might as well bring it up now. Yeah. Social media is a huge risk factor if you're constantly scrolling through social media as a man or as a woman doesn't matter and you're seeing these perfect perfect cookie cutter images of perfectly toned photoshopped pictures of people yep. with perfect bodies 
I, I make air quotes, you can't see it, of course, but a perfect bodies and that can put you at risk for to developing atypical anorexia, having those excessive food habits. And so you just have to, I guess, watch your media intake and um, be aware of the culture that surrounds you that might be pushing you to develop some of these symptoms and fall into this disorder. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that something's so... Like something can be used for so much good, and that was the way it was, it was intended for. You have social media. Social media, yeah. you know, something that was meant for good can cause such a, a really big issue, especially in the mental health world. Social media, especially for atypical anorexia nervosa or, uh, and anorexia, social media is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, risk factor right now because of yeah. how much time we all spend on social media. Like I'm, I'm one of those people. Me too. You know, I'm, absolutely. I'm sure most. I catch myself yeah. without even not realizing it that oh, Facebook's open. Yeah, and or, I've been scrolling for thirty oh, minutes. Yeah, yeah, Instagram's open, and even though you may not, like presently, be consuming and looking at all these pictures, you still are consuming these, and your brain is looking at these pictures. It's taking note. Yeah, yeah. Your brain's taking note of what's happening, and so even just scrolling without even realizing it your brain can pick up things like oh i'm not as skinny as that girl there i'm not as fit or she has abs i don't that dude has bigger biceps than me or he is taller than i am that dude benches more than me yeah he goes to the gym i don't and so yeah social media huge risk factor floods your brain with a bunch of unnecessary things try to control that that don't need to be there and i guess that takes us to one of the last risk factors is this was an interesting one huge one that really took me by surprise is that playing a sport that focuses on body shape, body shape and size can play a huge factor into your developing this or not. So if you're involved in sports like gymnastics, ballet, bodybuilding, wrestling, cheerleading, just those sports that focus on the way that you look and your, your weight and your size, like boxing too, like where there's weight classes and things like that. Um, like how Enoch was saying earlier with the weightlifting mm-hmm. in certain weight classes, um, this is a, Obviously, there's going to be ex- excessive ca- calorie counting and excessive dieting control. And like we said earlier, it can be harmless, less harmful, I should say, in some situations. But if it's over a long period of time and you start to develop those other symptoms and it starts to affect your daily life, that's where the issues start to come in. So if you play one of those sports, you could be more at risk for developing atypical anorexia. Yeah, that's something you could be obsessed over. Yeah. Honestly, dealing with like going through that myself, I can see how that can be addicting and how someone would want to keep doing that. Yeah. I mean, I definitely don't, but I can see how that can be something that people can be obsessed over. Yeah. It could be very fulfilling and very easy to obsess over for sure. So now we're going to go over the diagnosis and we're probably going to say this every episode, but remember this podcast is not therapy. We aren't professionals yet. We are you can just call us apprentices. You know, we're not... They're still students, still learning. Still students. Yeah. We're not professionals. And even if we were professionals, we would say the same thing. Still, we yeah. we are not here to diagnose you with anything. And even over social media or whatever, we can't diagnose you. So if these are symptoms that you do experience, we would highly recommend you to go get some help and go see a therapist. Yeah. You can't diagnose yourself too. Like that's another thing. You you should see a professional to get the correct help. Yep. You can't say, Oh, I have anorexia or I have atypical anorexia. Like 
Okay, you may have some symptoms, but you may not even have it. And yeah. so and you may think you don't have it, and then you actually do. Like it yep. goes both ways. So yep. that's what makes help so appropriate and so necessary. And well, that's what makes therapy so awesome. Man, yeah. Is you can go get help. The resources are there. And even if you struggle financially, if you say, "Oh, it's too expensive," go to places like we talked about last time, BetterHelp.com. They help people that are you know, not financially capable. There's finance, there is abilities for you to get the help that you need. And yeah. even at the state level, most states have affordable and or free healthcare for people who qualify. Like there's options mm-hmm. out there if you truly need the help. So I guess this is our little moment of encouragement that there is help for you and it's worth it to get it as we start talking about yeah. the diagnosing part of this, because even if you take every box on these diagnosis requirements, it's still really important that you go talk to a professional about it, probably even more so, to really figure out if it is, like if it is um, an issue for you and you do have it, to also develop a treatment plan as well with the person who's going to be be able to help you specifically. Yeah. So, so it's really important to reach out to a professional if you feel like you need it. Yeah. There is healing out there for you, and it's there. You just gotta kind of put yourself out there a little yeah. bit and yeah, and find some some good therapists there. Yeah. Wherever you are. So, to be diagnosed with anorexia or atypical anorexia, according to the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostics Statistics Manual, this is uh, like a little manual that therapists and mental professionals use, mental health professionals, mental professionals. These are, it's a little... Um, it's like a diagnostic tool. Yeah, like diagnostic manual. tool that has all the symptoms and what each client, each person needs to meet in order to be diagnosed with such Said issue. condition, yeah. yeah. So according to the DSM-5, five, five as in this is the fifth edition, yep. these following criteria must be met. So the first one is a restriction of energy intake relative to requirements leading to a significantly low body weight in the context of age, sex, developmental trajectory, and physical health. And so this isn't, uh, I mean, same thing with atypical anorexia. You're going to lose some weight, but it's just a line there where you cross too low in that body weight line, mm-hmm. what becomes anorexia. But anywhere above that line, it can be atypical. But usually people with atypical anorexia still restrict their energy intake. Yeah, exactly. So number two, um, it would be the second diagnostic criteria is an intense fear of gaining weight or becoming fat, even though you're underweight. And again, that doesn't, that applies more towards the typical anorexia nervosa. Again, we're talking about atypical anorexia without that dramatic weight loss, but the intense fear of gaining weight or becoming fat, um, still does apply. Like if you have the, that symptom with still being within your proper weight criteria, just because you don't have the weight criteria doesn't mean you don't have atypical anorexia. That's the whole point of it. So the intense fear is one of the, the major symptoms that would be diagnosed. And the third one here is disturbance in the way in which one's body weight or shape is experienced, undue influence of body weight or shape on self-evaluation or denial of the seriousness of the current low body weight. And... So if all of these uh, symptoms are met, according to the DSM, so even if they're not met, a serious eating disorder can still be present. And again, this is why seeing a professional is such uh, 
a big key. Yeah, they're going to be able to see through the, the thin gray line. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So even if you don't meet some of these, let's see. Yeah. So it says even if they're not all met, you can still have the disorder. And so obviously we can't tell you because we don't know you. Yeah. We don't know your life, your symptoms, whatever. But that's why you see a therapist. So atypical, atypical anorexia includes those individuals who meet the criteria for anorexia but who are not underweight despite significant weight loss. Research studies have not found a difference in the medical and psychological impacts of anorexia and atypical anorexia. And so the psychological effects, negative effects of anorexia are the very same as atypical. Yeah, that's why we wanted to talk about it today because there's probably way more people struggling with this atypical anorexia than not. At least symptoms, like you may not have it. Yeah. But atypical anorexia tendencies, yeah, symptoms, habits, yeah. Um, yeah, whatever it is. Oops, sorry, touch the mic there. Um, yeah, they might, it might still be there. And so, again, so important to speak to a professional and reach out for help. Um, to even if you don't have this disorder, you can work on these symptoms before they turn into that disorder. So now, getting into the treatment, the final part of our episode today. Um, one of the first things that would be recommended for you um, would be nutritional rehabil- rehabilitation. I don't know much about this specifically, but a, um, a therapist would be working with you. You might also work with a dietitian, um, or like a, I guess like a nutritional expert on how to mm-hmm. healthily diet, healthily exercise to the point where you can still, because I'm sure a lot of people will have this anorexia, these issues, probably, it's probably based in a value of fitness and a value of being strong and fit and healthy, just taken to an extreme level. And so see a therapist about, um, mending that relationship with food so you're not scared of it and maybe also seeing a nutritionist or a trainer to see how to healthily still live those values of nutrition and exercise without falling into the unhealthy symptoms of anorexia. Yeah, and there are a bunch of programs and resources out there just for eating disorders. Yeah. And so there are a bunch of like inpatient and outpatient programs where you stay in a like a ret- you go on a retreat for mm-hmm. like a week, you know, with yeah. other people that struggle with the same thing. And there's there are those resources and programs in every single state. And I'm not sure about country, but I'm I'd imagine for the most part, there are resources available no matter where you are. Yeah. I mean, if you're listening to this, then there's probably I would ex- you know, I would you're expect not you in the middle of the it, Amazon yeah. or the Congo. Yeah. Um, where you know resources aren't available. Yeah, if you have access to the internet, you can do online therapy. So if you're yeah. listening to this, there's there's options for you, which is amazing. So. Yeah. So then we have exposure therapy, which is like Austin mentioned a little bit, is where you can, with your therapist, expose yourself to some foods that can mm-hmm. give you these anxiety and stress responses. Yeah. So you can start working towards bettering that. Mending the relationship you yep. have with food, just like you would with a, a spouse. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. And then the last one here is possible medication. Now, there isn't any medication as of now that will fix these feelings of atypical anorexia or of body dysmorphia or any of those things that come along with atypical anorexia or anorexia. These things go hand in hand. But the medication is mainly for the depression, Mm -hmm. for the anxiety. And yeah, these things that I guess do come along with. Yeah. you know, anorexia and atypical anorexia as well. So the medication would mainly be to help you cope with those feelings so you can start processing 
you know, the bigger issues. Yeah. And so you don't have to deal with so much stress or so much, so much anxiety. So when you do start to overcome those feelings of like body dysmorphia and the relationship you have with food, then you can start waning off and getting off that medication because you won't need that anymore because the main stressor for anxiety and uh, for your stress will be taken away. Yeah. A great analogy I've heard when it comes to medications is that there's the medic, like they're not little fairies, like pills aren't little fairies that go into your brain and fix like that rewire your brain. So you don't have anxiety anymore. That'd be cool. It's like, it's like having a crutch or like a cast. You have it for a short amount of time to help you heal. Mm -hmm. It's like, um, or like taking NyQuil when you have a cold, it's not fixing the cold. It's not, it's not an antiviral. It's not taking away the virus. It's treating the symptoms so you feel a little bit better while you're healing. Yeah. And so medications are typically and should be used, actually not really used for this reason, but should be used for this reason to raise your emotional baseline so you can work on yourself, go to therapy, and heal the underlying cause rather than just feeling better. And so that, and that's especially true with anorexia because it's these little peel fairies aren't going to go into your brain and take away the anorexia. Like Enoch said, they're just going to raise your emotional baseline to a point where you don't have to worry about the anxiety and the depression for a short amount of time. So you can fix it or mend it, improve it, then go off the medications and live a fulfilling life without being dependent on SSRIs or benzodiazepines or maybe self-medication and alcohol, other drugs. It's really just to boost yourself for a little bit, work on yourself, and then push off the dock and live your life. And that's my personal feeling on medications as a whole but they can be really helpful for someone going through this specific issue mm -hmm. to just alleviate some of the other symptoms so you can work on yourself. Yeah. That's what I really like about that thought that you made. Yeah. I mean, if you, you know, have listened to any of our episodes, at least our last couple, you'll know that we're not against medication, but there are better ways yeah, absolutely. out there. And medication is just that little crutch for you to, to start working towards a value-based yeah. life and to get the help that you need and then to to get off it and start to walk and to run again. Yeah. You know, emotionally. You wouldn't have a cast and on your whole life just for a little while. Yeah. That's like, that's kind of, that's the best way to look at it. Yeah. So I hope you learned something new about atypical anorexia. Yeah. It is definitely, you know, more underlying than anorexia. And so if you get anything from this episode, just maybe realize that someone you know or someone you run into could be struggling with this. And so... Just do your best to be sensitive mm -hmm. and just a reminder to be nice to everyone you meet because yeah. you, you really don't know what everyone's going through. Everyone has their own crap. Like they're all dealing with something. Yeah, and that's really the goal of this series is to help educate everyone on some of the things that some of your loved ones really could be dealing with and that are very real yeah. to help you be more understanding of what they're going through. Yeah, to bring awareness to things that a lot of people don't like to talk about. Exactly. So... Thanks again for listening. Yeah. Well, join us next time. We're going to be keep doing this. So we'll all learn together about the wonderful world of mental health. Yeah. We hope you have a great week. What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? Yeah. What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about therapy? What about what about therapy? What about what about therapy? What about what about therapy?
aquí y 